Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. Uh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Thank you, Nicole. That was Nicole Rakonda reading from the first half of Romans chapter 8. At our morning prayer on Thursday, uh, we started our in-person morning prayer from the conference room of our office on Thursdays from 9 to 10. Nicole was one of the ones there. And just based on our prayer time, uh, actually changed the, the angle for this message and asked her to do the reading. Um, and Addie Duval was there and she did a prayer that we're actually going to close with because um, I just... Ah, I, I, I just felt like it, it was apropos for the topic today. Um, but what, what, what Nicole read is, is what we're going to be diving into. Um, at our prayer time, we uh, pray for our church. We pray for the needs of our church. We, we, we pray for a lot of the hurt that's going on in our church. Miss April sends out a list of things, and it's just, it's just some of the things that people are de dealing with in our church. Every Thursday morning, she puts it out, and we pray. We have an online gathering at noon on Thursdays, and, uh, and we, we just commit these things to prayer um, because there's a lot of pain in our church. There's a lot of struggle. There's, there's cancer. There's sickness. There's, there's, there's financial loss. There's, there's marriages in crisis. There's four to five marriages right now that I am 
just burden for just this past week just four to five that are that are really hurting right now there's a miscarriage in our church there's there's a lot of pain a lot of suffering and and a lot of questions come with pain and struggles like is god punishing me for this or is God punishing me with this? Is this is this as a result of the sin I committed in my past? Or maybe I did something wrong. I don't even know it. Is God punishing me? Is he trying to get my attention? Or, or maybe it's, is this random? Do, do, do we live in a random world where God sort of put it in motion and then goes, all right, good luck, you guys. I'll see you when you get to heaven. Is that the world we live in? Some of us ha- have this feeling that it that it is. What about the issues that we struggle with, the sin issues that we all deal with? Some of us maybe are just can't figure out why we can't break this addiction or, or a bad temper. Why can't I, I why can't I break this? Why can't I get free from this? I was talking to somebody the other day who was he was drunk and I was trying to help him get get help and he was like, I can't stop drinking. He was crying. I was like, I can't stop drinking. He had just gotten out of detox. He's like, I can't stop drinking. That's the cry of many people's hearts right now, and we're dealing with that. It makes us wonder if God truly has forgiven us and poured out his grace uh, upon us. This is week two of our three-week study, No Condemnation. And we're, we're really celebrating and we're diving into Romans 8, verse 1, where it says this, Therefore, there is now... No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We talked last week. We talked last week about how uh, what condemnation means, first of all, and then how Christ Jesus is the one who frees us from condemnation. He's the one who, who breaks us out of prison. He's the one who lived in our place, died in our place, took the death penalty that we deserved in our place, and because of him, and only because of him, We get to hand in a straight-A report card before God the Father. But we have to hand in our pathetic report card full of F's and D's. And and that's what it means to be in Christ. It's only for those in Christ. There's a difference between being in Christ and just believing about Jesus. right? There's a difference. Being in Christ means I'm handing in my pathetic report card. I'm not depending on it no more. I'm not relying on my good deeds, my religious behavior anymore. I'm not relying on my church activity. I'm trusting in Jesus' finished work on the cross on my behalf. That's what was the focus last week. We actually titled it Nothing to Prove. Nothing to prove. You have nothing to prove anymore. Nothing to earn before God. You don't have to earn your salvation. You don't have to earn his love. You, you don't have to prove yourself to him anymore. But the reality is there are two major categories of our lives that we experience on a regular basis, suffering and sin, that tempt us to doubt whether or not we truly are freed from condemnation. Our suffering and our sin, especially because they go together. We, 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 we screw up and then the following week we get a bad report from a doctor. And we, is this correlated? Are these connected? Is this God punishing me? Is this God bringing his wrath down on me? Sometimes we sin as a result of our suffering, right? We're in a bad mood. We're irritable. Somebody else hurts us and and hurt people hurt people. So then we lash out at somebody else and we just keep the domino effect going. I did that this past week to my wife. I was frustrated about something else, irritable about something else. And I took it out on her one morning, felt really bad. 
apologize to her. We ended last week by looking at verse 16 of Romans 8, where it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit himself, that's the Holy Spirit, testifies or reminds us that we're God's children. So we, we left off basically talking about how God has not just freed us from prison. God the judge doesn't just declare us um, not guilty and free us from prison. No, God the Father adopts us into his family. He's like, you're freed from prison, and then I want you in my family. I want you as my son. I want you as my daughter. And then God the Spirit comes to dwell in us, live inside of us. And that Spirit testifies, reminds us, in those moments of doubt, in those moments of pain, suffering, confusion, wondering, has God, God's grace just, is, has it run out on me? The Spirit testifies with our spirit and says, no, 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 Chris, you are God's child. You are his son. He, he hasn't given up on you. He's not kicking you out. His grace isn't over. It's, it's, he's not holding this against you. That's what the Spirit does. He reminds us. Well, as we continue today, what I want to do is, I want to ask the question, how does the Holy Spirit testify with our spirits? Like, what does that look like? How does he remind us that we are God's children and that we're still in God's family and that we are no longer under condemnation? How does he do it? There are three things in the passage that Nicole just read that I want to pull out as um, uh, ways that the Spirit testifies with our spirit, that we're God's no longer that we're God's children, and that we're no longer under condemnation. So let me just pray uh, before we jump into those three things. Um, God, illuminate your word. This is your revealed word. We're relying on here Romans eight. We ask that your spirit would illuminate it for us. Make it come alive so we understand it. Bring clarity to it. Help our, help our hearts to understand it. And these three things that we're going to be looking at, um, God, I pray that we would experience this more and more. For those who are in Christ, that we would experience it more and more. And for those who are not in Christ, that we'd say, ah, oh, I want that. I want that. It's in your name. Use this time. Amen. Okay, number one. Number one. First way he testifies with our spirit, he gives us the desire to put our sin to death. He gives us a desire to put our sin to death. Have you ever heard the saying, don't put the cart before the horse? I love that saying. Of course you've heard that saying. Everybody says that. Don't put the cart before the horse. Well, when we try to put our good behavior before our salvation, that's putting the cart before the horse. That's what we talked about last week. When we try to think that um, my salvation, my freedom from condemnation is dependent on my good behavior or on my cleaning myself up, that's putting the cart before the horse. Again, that was our focus last week. Uh, Jesus is the horse. He's the one who drives our salvation, right? He's the one who, who paid for us, and he's the one who, who, who sets us free from condemnation. But... We can't throw out the cart completely. Jesus still wants us to have the cart. 
Right? We, the cart can't come before the horse, but we, he also doesn't want us to throw away the cart or forget about the cart. The cart is the experience of being free from sin. Right? Now, he, we don't clean ourselves up so that we earn salvation, but Jesus saves us so that we can experience the freedom of his resurrection life, of, of, of the life he purchased for us. See, when he died on the cross, he paid for our penalty. He paid for us to be forgiven, but he doesn't want to leave us there. He, he, he wants us to experience the, the, the resurrection life that he broke open a doorway into. That's what he did. When he rose from the dead, he, he conquered this cursed world. He conquered this, this broken world that's under a curse that we're all stuck in. Picture like us stuck in a tunnel underground that has collapsed. And we're stuck there. And we can't, we can't get out. We're banging. We're chiseling. We can't get ourselves out. And so Jesus stepped into it. And then he broke through. And he created a, a pathway. And there's light. And he's like, hey, follow me. Follow me into that resurrection life. I want you to experience that. And he put his spirit in us to lead us out of there. That's the experience of being free from sin. When we're freed from condemnation, then we can have his spirit that will lead us to have an experience of, of being free from our rebellion, our sin nature. Look at verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So if you're a child of God, what, what's going to come with that? If you're adopted into God's family, if Jesus paid for your adoption, you get the Spirit of God to lead you. He'll lead you. And in this context right here, Paul's not talking about uh, the kind of, you know, being led by the Spirit, like, oh, uh, the Spirit led me to get a new job, or the Spirit led me to, um, you know, go to this college instead of that college. Like, the Holy Spirit does lead us in those ways. I, I do believe that. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul's talking about the Spirit leading us to put our sin to death. How do I know that? Well, back it up a couple of verses and we see in verse 12 and 13. Look at that. Therefore, brothers and sisters, therefore, right? Therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? Because you've been freed from condemnation, you're adopted, you've got the, the Spirit, we have an obligation now. It's not to live according to the flesh, but to live according to the Spirit. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So you've got the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit now frees you to live the life, resurrection life that Jesus purchased for you. So go live it. That's your obligation. Go live the life that Jesus purchased for you. Uh, picture like this. Here's another prison analogy. If you get set free from prison, prison doors are open, go ahead, go be free, but you've got no money in your pocket, you're broke, you've got no place to live, it's more likely that you're going to go back to your old ways, right? Because you, you, you got to live. You, you, you might start stealing from the grocery store, getting a loaf of bread to eat. You, you might start hanging out with your old crew, running drugs, wh whatever it is, just to survive, right? And we see this in society. But imagine you're freed from prison and you're given $10 million. Are you more likely to live uh, like an upstanding citizen? Or are you still going to uh, be homeless on the street, stealing bread from the corner deli? No, you're going to, most likely you're going to take that $10 million. Uh, common sense tells you to use that money, get yourself a home, 
start a business, right? Invest, get going, be an upstanding citizen. In other words, you're going to want to live according to the wealth you've been given, right? Not according to the poverty that you used to live according to, uh, that you used to be stuck in. When we're freed from prison, when Jesus saves us and we're no longer under condemnation and we're adopted into God's family and we're given his spirit, he's like, live according to the wealth you've been given. Don't be a fool and live according to the poverty that you used to be stuck in with your rebellious heart wanting to do your own thing, wanting to live your own way. No, now you have the spirit to put to death that old junk, to put to death that old crap, and live according to the wealth that Jesus wants for you. Look at verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So the mind governed by the flesh, directed by the flesh, controlled by the flesh, flesh being our sin nature, our old rebellious, I'm going to do it my way, I don't need God, it leads to death. Ultimately, it leads to a spiritual death, separation from God for all eternity. But it also leads to the experience, a kind of death in the here and now, where there's a lack of peace, there's a lack of joy. However, look at it one more time. The mind governed by the spirit, it's life. It's that resurrection life. It's peace. And so that spirit leads us to put to death the misdeeds of the body so that we can experience that life in peace. Again, not to earn God's love, but because we have been lavished with God's love already. We want to live that resurrection life. We want to live out the wealth that we've been given. As I alluded to earlier, this past week I had a moment where I um, took out my frustrations and my irritability on my wife. Um, and, and I apologized to her for it pretty quickly after. And she forgave me, very gracious. Um, but I was still like, ugh, wasn't settled. It was bothering me. And it wasn't bothering me because I was wallowing in guilt and shame. I, I, it was bothering me because I just felt remorse. I was like, this, this doesn't belong in me. And I believe that it's a a sign of the Holy Spirit testifying that I'm God's child. Because he's like, hey, this isn't you anymore. This isn't somebody who's been adopted into God's family. Get rid of this. Pull, this, pull these weeds out of your heart. And that, that was what I wanted this past week. I was like, I don't just want to say I'm sorry and be forgiven and move on. I want to get to the root of that. I want to pull that out. Why did that come out of me this past week? I want to I get that junk out of me. When I think about our marriage, we were talking about our marriage yesterday, Jess and I, and just the early days, and how much easier it is now. It really is easier. It's not easy, but it's so much easier than it used to be. And on my end, I, I, I realized that in the early days of my marriage, I focused more on Jess's sin issues than my own. I wanted to put to death her sin, not so much my own, Right. And now, you know, I would, I would acknowledge that I had my issues, but it was always a yeah, but. Yeah, 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 I got my issues, but what about her? I'm working on my stuff. How come she's not working on her stuff? And that was my focus. And on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, I would have probably put her stuff at an 8 or a 9, you know? And my stuff was at a maybe a 5 or a 6. And somewhere around August of 2015, I'll never forget, it was like the Holy Spirit woke me up and it was like, what are you doing? Like, like, what are you doing? Is this really working? Look at how much this is stealing from your peace and your joy. Like, focus on 
your stuff. Like, even if she never changes, you can experience that life and peace that the Holy Spirit wants to give you. But you've got to put to death your own crap, your own junk, the, the stuff in your heart that, that is still acting like an orphan, acting like you don't belong to God's family, look, acting like you've got to look out for yourself and get even and, 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 and you know, criticize and, and be judgmental. He's like, get that stuff out of you. And, and once I started to shift my focus, and I wanted to shift my focus, like it was like my heart changed. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I want to focus more on my stuff and putting my sin to death, not hers. And um, and it really, like there was a shift that happened where her her stuff went from an eight or nine to now on the worst day, five or six. My stuff now is like an eight or nine where I'm like, I don't want it here. It doesn't belong. I'm a child of God. I want to pull this up. I want to pull these weeds up. Every Saturday, I make my girls pull weeds it's like their Saturday morning chore. I'm like, hey, time to do weeds. And they're like, again? It's like, yeah, every Saturday, the new, the new weeds. Let's go outside or you're not eating breakfast. That's, that's, that is literally what I say. Like, <laughs> um, and the younger ones, they'll pull up the weeds, but sometimes it's not by the roots. They'll just kind of rip off the leaves. You know how you do. And, um, and that's, that's behavior modification. That's what some of us want to do. We want to just kind of mow over the weeds. I got a bad temper. Let me manage my bad temper so people stop nitpicking and nagging me. Uh, I, you know, I got this addiction. Let me just manage it. And it's like, that's not peace. That's not the life that Jesus died to give us. That's, 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 that's behavior modification that actually doesn't lead to more peace and joy. That's religiosity. That's playing games. Jesus wants us. The Holy Spirit wants us. One way that the Holy Spirit testifies with us that we are God's children is he gives us the desire to actually get those stinking weeds up by their roots. Pull them monkeys up by their roots. Pull them up and get rid of them. Now you might say, well, the weeds keep coming back, Chris. I don't know what to do about that. Well, you keep pulling them up. The weeds are going to keep, we're going to keep popping, having weeds pop up in our hearts until we're with Jesus. Okay, you, you know, this, it's, it's, a, it's a bumpy road, but the desire should always be there to keep fighting. No, I want this out. I'm pulling these weeds out. Some of them won't come back at all. Some of them we find freedom from forever. And then there's new weeds that pop up and we just keep pulling. Why? Because the spirit testifies with our spirit. We're God's children. That stuff doesn't belong anymore. Put it to death. Not to earn God's approval, not to earn God's love, but because God has filled us with his love. And he's like, I want you to experience the resurrection life that I died to give you. So that's one thing. But our part, if the Holy Spirit gives us that desire, our part is to go with it and put it to death. Our, our, our part is to pull it up, get to the root of it. I don't want to just manage this addiction. I don't just want to manage uh, this bad temper, manage this, this, this porn addiction. I want to get to the root of it. I want to dig it out. I want to fight it. That makes sense? I hope it does. I hope it does. Let's move on to number two. Another way that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we're God's children is that he enables us to cry out to God as our dada. Our dada. Look at verse 15. It says this, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Now, the, the, the word Abba, uh, some of you may have heard this. It's, it's an informal 
a term of endearment for, for a father, you know. Um, but it's more than informal. It's, it's more than just like how I call my dad, dad or pops. Um, it's, it's more than an informal term of endearment. It's actually, that word Abba, I've heard it taught like this. It, it's what a toddler would have called his father. It's a cry of dependence, of helplessness, um, which is, I don't call my dad, dada anymore. Um, but that's, that's Abba. Uh, a cry to God as our dada. I need you. Dada, I'm helpless. Dada, I can't, but you can. Dada, I'm, I'm not confident in my own abilities, but I'm so confident in your abilities. You got this. I need your help right now. I can't figure this out, and I don't feel like I need to because you're my dada. And, 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 and not everybody, only children of God, not everybody uh, can see God as their father. Some people can call God their father, but they can't actually see it. There's not that confidence. Like you can say, oh, God's everybody's father. He's everybody's creator. But not everybody has the confidence and that dependence and that, that sincerity, that tenderness in their spirit to relate to God as father. Right? Some people cry out to God, and it's more like you cry out to a policeman on the corner. I need help. Can you come? Not the cry of a toddler to their father who they know is going to come for them. Sometimes we pray to God as a police officer. Well, if he has time, if he's not too busy with other crimes, maybe he can come and check in on me, but I'm not so sure he's going to. But when you can cry out to God as your father, it's different. It's different. And the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we're God's children by empowering us, think of that word, empowering us to be helpless and go, Dada, I need you. I can't do this on my own, but 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 I know I don't have to because I got you. The creator of the world is my dada. You got this. I don't have to figure this all out right now. You got this. Instead of staying busy, I want to encourage you to take the moment to to cry out. So the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness by giving us the confidence that God is our dada. But our part to play is to actually take the time, take the moment to express it to cry out. Don't just start your day real busy because you're stressed out about things. Stop and go, Dad, I got a lot going on right now. I'm, I'm feeling weak. Cry out. Declare your dependence on him. Remind yourself that he's your dad, Dad. Give the Holy Spirit space to remind you that he's your dad, Dad. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't just stay busy. Don't try to fix it all yourself. Don't think that you got to keep it all together. Stop. Slow down and give him space to remind you and declare yourself that he is your dada. That's number two. That was a quick one. Number three, lastly, the Holy Spirit reminds us that we are God's children. He testifies with our spirits by empowering us to see our suffering in light of our resurrection. To see our suffering in light of our resurrection. Verse 17 and 18 say this, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Not worth comparing 
will, with what will be revealed. He's referring to the future glory that we'll get when Jesus returns. That future glory that we get because we are heirs of God. Look at verse 17. We're heirs of God. We get an inheritance from God. But it's not just a measly inheritance. It's not a less than inheritance. It's not just like, a, hey, here's some scraps from the pie. It's, it's that we become co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs with Christ, which means we get the inheritance that Jesus deserves. We get the inheritance that God the Son deserves. Which is what? Which is we get to rule and reign with him one day on a new creation. A new created order on this earth. We're going to be in glorified new bodies and we're going to reign with him. We're going to be one with Jesus and and with each other ruling and reigning just like God wanted the first human beings to do in the very beginning. Uh, Put it like this. We're going to be restored image bearers in the most fullest sense. We're going to be more human then than we ever can think is possible. The way God wanted humans to be fully reflecting his image. That's what we're going to get. That's the glory that will be revealed. Look at it one more time. That's the glory that will be revealed in us. It's not just to us. It's in us. His glory fully revealed in our bodies, in our souls, in our minds. That's what's going to happen. But look at that phrase in verse 17. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. And then he says, I consider our present sufferings are not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So Paul's saying that the, those who are children of God, the Holy Spirit comes alongside them comes alongside them, and give them a new perspective. And it's like, this suffering, this pain, ain't nothing. It ain't nothing compared to what's going to happen to you in the future. It's a, it's a speck of sand on the seashore of eternity. Don't, don't consider it as life-defining. Don't find your identity in this loss. Don't find your identity in this pain. Don't hyper-analyze it. Don't try to understand it fully right now. You're in the middle of the movie. right? You turn on the movie and what's going to happen? There's conflict. Somebody's something's exploding. Somebody's mad at somebody. Right? It's, it's not over yet. It's not fully resolved yet. Paul's like, it's a moment compared to what you're going to see at the end. You're going to see it all come together at the end. Don't, don't, don't consider it to be life-altering, life-defining uh, right now. And, and, and he says, one more time, <laughs> if we share in his sufferings, so the Holy Spirit helps us to draw closer to Jesus in our sufferings. See, suffering on their own, trials on our own, pain on our own, we don't draw closer to Jesus. We get hard-hearted. We get rebellious. We get angry. We get bitter. We get irritable. We snap at people. We become fools. We become darkened in our thinking. That's what suffering naturally does to us. But when the Holy Spirit is in us, one way that he testifies and reminds us that we belong to Jesus, that we belong to God's family, is that he uses suffering to draw us closer to himself, make us more more malleable, softer, tender towards the pain of others, want to glorify Jesus in our suffering. That's what the Holy Spirit does and gives us a new perspective on it, reminds us this isn't all there is. This isn't all there is. There's more to come. There's more to come. Now, if the Holy Spirit reminds us uh, and gives us that new perspective, 
What's our part to play? Again, for each of these things, the Holy Spirit has a part, we have a part. For number one, the Holy Spirit's part was to lead us to want to put our sin to death. What's our part? We put our sin to death. For number two, it was to lead us to cry to God as our dada. What's our part? To actually take the time to declare and express that he's our dada. And for number three, our part is to consider. Verse 18. Consider our present sufferings or regard our present sufferings or ascribe value to our present sufferings. Okay, so look at me. You're going through pain. You're going through loss. It's, it's horrible. Call it what it is. Don't pretend it's not horrible. It's horrible. Painful. Call it on a scale of 1 to 10. Put it at a 10. But then multiply that 10 by 1,000, and that's what's coming. That's what we get in Jesus. That's what we get because we're co-heirs with Jesus. So make sure you put it in its proper perspective. Not saying you don't call it what it is. It's horrible. But you line it up next to and put the right value on what's coming to us. I ascribe to this pain a value that is not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The loss I'm experiencing now, I'm going to experience the gain of that one day when Jesus returns, when that glory is revealed in us. I'm not going to lose anything that I won't get back then in some shape or form. That's God's goal for us. That's what we get. So if you're a child of God, if, if you've been freed from condemnation, then you can count on, you can expect the Holy Spirit to testify with your spirit that you are a child of God by reminding you, number one, that you, oh, I'm sorry, by, by leading you to want to put your sin to death, number one. Number two, reminding you that God is your dada and you get to cry out to him as dada. And number three, by helping you to see your suffering in light of the resurrection. And I want to end with this question and then we're going to chat about it when uh, me and Sarah Ann come back on. Which of these three points most resonates with you? Or, 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 or which one do you want to experience more of right now? Maybe which one do you have trouble believing is possible? Is it the desire to put your sin to death? Is it the confidence to cry out to God as our dada? Is it the ability to see our suffering in light of our resurrection? Which do you want to experience more of right now? We want to hear from you in the chat section. We want to be praying for, we'll pray for you too. Um, we're going to discuss it in a moment. Um, right now I'm going to cut to, I'm going to close in prayer by actually having Addy close in prayer from our Thursday prayer time the other day, praying for us. So, Addy, thank you. Father God, I thank you for allowing us to assemble today, Father God. And Father God, we need you. We need you every day. We need you. We need the Holy Spirit. We need uh, you, Lord Jesus. We need you to be our Elroy, to be our Abba Father, to be all. You are Jehovah Gabar. You fight for us, Father God. And Father God, the bondage that we placed on ourselves, Father God, wasn't put there by you, Father. 
And we ask, Father God, for a breaking of the chains, Father, that only you can break and break mm. permanently. Let us not pick these chains of bondage back up, Father, mm. for you have set us free. Mm. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Mm. Jesus came so that we could be set free. And we claim that freedom right now in the mighty name of Jesus. May our eyes look to you. We've made ourselves like prisoners, Father God, but you've got the key that sets us free, not temporarily, but we are free forever. And daily we must come to you and claim our sonship, Abba Father. Our spirit needs you. Our spirit longs for you. Set us free and keep us free. May all those who don't know you come to know you as our saving father, as our spiritual chain breaker. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. 